Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fit Literate. Hello. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Laura. And we're back with a, a very special topic today, near and dear to our hearts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is one that definitely hits close to home that I think uh, caused both of us quite a lot of anguish throughout our younger years. But we are here to yeah, uh, explain it to you guys. <laughs> I'm a little bit triggered just sitting here. So know that like... That's where we're coming from with this episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And of course, we'll... Wow, my brain is not working. I'm like trying to do the whole like scripted intro. Like, here we go. And I think we're just going to have to keep it really casual today. So, everybody... You know, you were saying taking it out of conversation mode, but like that's what we're here to do. I think we got to stay in conversation mode. For context, I just got back yesterday from like traveling for Easter so I am like this is the first work-related thing I'm doing this week and I am clearly not mentally ready for it but um yeah as you probably saw in the title and the description we are talking about clean eating today um but before we get into that Laura how was your holiday weekend did you do anything special for Easter you know I actually did I didn't think we were gonna do anything and then my boyfriend was like hey let's dye some eggs and so we went out to brunch and we dyed some eggs and it was a nice little day so that's really nice uh we stayed close to home it was nice yeah that's awesome and I'm very jealous that you were in Massachusetts and got to do some revolutionary activities Um. (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah we really we really took it back in time to colonial New England um uh, the area of the country that Laura and I both grew up in we're from different towns but like same vibes um big emphasis on learning like revolutionary war history and like early colonial American history because it was so like it happened where we grew up. And so, uh, for Patriot's day also, sorry about the yard work sounds in the background. Hopefully you can't hear that. Um, but for Patriot's day, my family and I, we went to go see a reenactment of a battle at Concord bridge, I think is what it was. Um, and it was very cute, very, small town um quaint new england shit and it it was it was honestly delightful and then we saw a uh a a parade go through the center of town with all of the different Minutemen reenactment organizations from all the surrounding towns so it was it was very fun This is the experience of growing up as like a pseudo Boston girly is that all of your enriching activities involve like uh, battle reenactments, crayon rubbings on gravestones, or like making yarn poppets or something <laughs> like that. Did you ever? You know? Did you ever also, take a field trip to an old schoolhouse when you were in? Yeah, yeah. We had one oh, yeah, in my course. actual hometown, like my tiny hometown. It was schoolhouse number Shut two, up. and it's like a single room. <laughs> like building um that's like a historically preserved building and yeah we wore like period clothing and bonnets and like like (laughs) did like little poking into tin to make little uh images and carving soap bars of soap into yeah that sounds right um yeah good times (laughs) yeah apparently my best friend told me who also grew up in boston we grew up together Outside of Boston, um, that Patriots Day is not a national thing. No, that's like it is not New England propaganda. I didn't know that. Yeah, the Patriot <laughs> that was news. To Patriots me. Day is very much. I mean, it's for it's it's about like literally it, it kind of like Veterans Day. It's specifically though about remembering like 
the veterans of the Revolutionary War. Like that, that is what it is for. So um, I don't know, maybe in Pennsylvania they celebrate it too. Who knows? But the original 13 colonies, baby. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing it back. Okay, well, back on topic. So we're talking clean eating. And I'm sure clean eating is a term that you have heard before, dear listener. Um, It has been one of the, I would say, like primary nutrition and health buzzwords of the last decade or so. Um, It's thrown on as a hashtag on every food post. It's... uh, search term for every recipe that's supposed to be even a little bit healthy. And um, yeah, it's kind of an unavoidable phrase at this point. I feel like it's also been able to proliferate so widely because you flip it around and it's a command. Like as much as you see recipes tagged with clean eating, you hear people yelling at other people to just eat clean clean. or like, I'm trying to eat cleaner. Uh, Like it's, um, it it feels like a, a more like from modern. They verbified it. Yeah, yeah, like Google. Um, but it's it's almost feels like just a the newer iteration of the phrase. Like I'm watching what I eat. It's like a little bit vague. Um, yeah. with this sense of like like restraint and like intention and being careful. Um, but definitely definitely deep in but it's more health forward than saying like oh I'm on a diet because now we don't say I'm on a diet because that would be gauche yes so now we just say like I'm trying to eat clean because I'm exactly and I I can already hear the judgment creeping in my (laughs) voice I'm trying hard to stop that oh it's all right we're allowed to be judgy this is our show um but I feel like with the term like I'm watching what I eat from decades past that at least conjures up in my mind a little bit more of just like portion control. Like it was less about like what you're eating and more about how much like, Oh, I'm, I'm watching my figure. I'm watching, I'm watching what I eat. Meaning like I'm trying not to eat as many snacks or like I'm not eating like within a certain amount like of time before bedtime. But with clean eating, it shifts it more towards like the actual contents of what you're eating, which we'll get into. It's very like ingredients focused, food groups focused. And, um, you know, I think ultimately with the goal of trying to eliminate any chemical ingredient or food group that could possibly cause any harm to the human body, which I think is a very noble goal. Do you mean toxins, Carolyn? Toxins. Toxins. Um, (laughs) Toxins. (laughs) Toxins. I will say also, I think that the difference in connotation between those two phrases is that like watching what you eat gives the impression of like reigning in decadence, Mm. whereas eating clean is this like even further elevated, like aspirational wellness lifestyle yeah it's almost like moderation versus complete abstinence like with clean eating you're supposed to eliminate (laughs) like eliminate everything that is bad and if you eat even a tiny portion of it then you are tainted and you are dirty and you are sinful um whereas with yeah like watching (laughs) what you eat it's um it's like yeah I'm just I feel like like we're making this a lot sexier than it is I like it (laughs) oh no (sighs) Um, Okay, so um, like always, we want to take a look at how the trend that we're talking about today, clean eating, um, 
is sort how it sort of exists on the internet today. Like if you were to Google search it or look up the hashtag on various social media websites, like what would you see? So Laura, do you want to look at Pinterest and I'll look at Instagram and then we can kind of report on what we find? Oh, as we're looking this up, as we're looking this up, I do want to mention the reason we picked this topic is because um, it kind of ties into the last two episodes that we've done. Um, so Blogilates, she, if you listen to that episode or you've been on her YouTube channel before, um, she used to have this series called Cheap Clean Eats. So clean eating recipes were very much a part of her brand at one point. And then um, Pinterest is sort of like the hub for finding like clean eating guides and clean eating recipes. I feel like that was a big thing we both talked about using Pinterest for. Um, so yeah, so this is the little sliver of the Venn diagram in the middle. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to keep some continuity. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Okay. Do you? What do you want to tackle first? Why don't you go first with Pinterest? Okay, so what I'm seeing here when I searched clean eating, um, just a bunch of different recipes. I'm seeing a few different dinners that are some iteration of chicken and broccoli. I'm seeing an Amazon ad. I'm seeing healthy tuna salad, no mayo. Um, No mayo. Egg muffins. Ooh, egg muffins take me back. That hurts a little. (laughs) Um, Hydrating cantaloupe salad. I don't know how I feel about that. For some reason, how to just start can- eating clean. Like, cantaloupe salad sounds like it could be pretty good, but for some reason, putting hydrating at the beginning of it makes it sound weird. It has cucumbers in it. I think that could be pretty good. Little feta cheese. There's no feta cheese. That wouldn't be clean, Carolyn. That's true. That's what true. What episode do you think we're recording? That's true. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that it looks to be just. I think it's just cantaloupe, cucumbers raspberries and then an herb which I'm guessing is either basil or mint I'm sure it's fine I'm just in a spicy mood now yeah I'm um, ready to judge when we get a little further down we have how to start clean eating how to eat clean for a full week gluten-free and dairy-free challenge seven-day clean eating meal plan the ultimate grocery list for clean eating and then we start to get into things um that have more of a connotation of weight loss it's like mm-hmm. beginner weight loss, eat clean for weight loss. Ooh, a Noom ad. Look at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> that just <laughs> popped up. Um, clean eating snacks. I mean, if I was not me and I was scrolling through looking at this, I'd be like, oh, these recipes look good. Most of them look pretty simple. A lot of them are advertising. I mean, as simple as a an internet recipe can look you know Mm -hmm. that by the time you dive into that you've spent $60 on like ingredients you'll never use again in your kitchen's a wreck but you know from what they're showing it looks pretty simple it looks pretty easy they look good we've got a but then there's some stuff like detox chicken soup oh the 10 rules of clean eating oh this is gonna be a treasure trove let's go through those what what do they say shall I go through it yeah one eat real Real food is clean food. Okay. Um, Got it. As opposed to imaginary food. Yeah. If you can imagine it growing out of the ground or being raised on a farm, it's real and real good. I would make the argument that the way that a lot of our... Never mind. Do we even want to dive into this? No, not yet. Let's just go... Yeah. 
Let, let's just go pure <laughs> reporting on the content right now. Great. Two, choose just one. If a food has only one ingredient, think milk, broccoli, quinoa, raw chicken, or beans. It's clean. Three, eat naked. Foods that don't come in packages, like fresh fruits and vegetables, meat and fish you can get from the butcher or seafood counter, and grains, nuts, and spices you can buy in bulk are clean. Four, go organic. When you opt for organic, you get the cleanest kind of food, grown or raised without pesticides, insecticides, chemical fertilizers, hormones, steroids, and or chemical-laden feed. Five, eat what you can pronounce. If you can read all the ingredients in a food out loud without thinking, huh, it's probably clean. Six, prioritize plants. I'm just going to zoom through these, but they're talking about how plants are devoid of toxins. (laughs) Um, Seven, give up the white stuff. If you really want to eat clean, avoid sugar. They're talking about unprocessed types of sugar like honey and maple syrup. (laughs) Eight, cook at home. Uh, Nine, focus on what matters. Paleo, raw, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free. As long as you're eating real food, choose the diet that works best for you. Mm. 10, enjoy every bite. Clean eating is about enjoying delicious, real food, each and every bite. If it doesn't taste good, don't eat it. (sighs) So that's what what Pinterest is giving us. I feel like that actually does um, encompass a lot of what most people understand clean eating to be. I think that was a good one to read. Um, is there anything else standing out to you on Pinterest? Um, not really. Just a bunch of Noom ads, a bunch of ooh, 21 day flat belly meal plan. A lot of things labeled like that. Some things mm-hmm. that are um, passing the mic over to the whole 30. Clean mm-hmm. eating, healthy meal plan for busy moms, lots of Tupperware, lots of salads that are arranged in like a rainbow order. Um, everything bagel, cream cheese, stuffed mini peppers. Um, lots okay. of like copycat recipes. Like here's a clean chipotle bowl or here's like mm. clean barbecue something. Um, here's like you know, taking your favorite. A cookie that's not a cookie. Your favorite type of takeout or whatever and removing all of the abominable toxins and poisonous ingredients so that you can eat it with a good conscience. <laughs> Without guilt. Yes. Um, a lot of healthified things. And then a little further down, I'm starting to get ads of women very thin women in bikinis and they're actually these are in promoted ads and not in the content itself got it um okay but yeah should we see what's going on on instagram oh gosh let's do it okay so the first search term i put in was um clean eating and it's a lot a lot of what you were saying is on pinterest as well it's a lot of what looks like recipes, like just pictures of food, like a zoomed in picture of like a salad or like this looks like a chickpea curry or something. Um, And it's really funny because on the first page of the search, like four or five of the post, it's clearly like an image that's going viral right now. And it's healthy pancake combos. So it's just like three different like healthy pancake recipes that have been, um, you know, hashtagged clean eating. Um, But it's nothing Mm. all that interesting. Like it really just seems like a lot of recipes that 
contain vegetables and other ingredients that are generally considered to be like nutrient dense or like healthy. Um, What I thought was... uh, I will say too, when we did our Pinterest episode, when Mm -hmm. I was searching just recipes, dinner ideas, really neutral terms like that on Pinterest, I was getting very similar yeah and I would guess that would be the case with most social media platforms where if you're looking for just like recipe ideas you're going to get a lot of clean eating content whether you mean to or not yeah you're going to get a lot of recipes that are you know marketing themselves as healthy healthy swaps which will then push you through the algorithm to specifically things that are like weight loss meal plans so yeah searching Mm. for recipes on the internet because diet culture is so intense on the internet even if you're not specifically looking for like diet recipes or even healthy recipes you kind of end up there eventually anyway like you said when you search something innocuous like easy weeknight dinner (laughs) um but yeah, yeah so but when on Instagram I search for the term eat clean like that more of like a demand or like a command um I there's a little bit more variety of the content so it definitely is like some recipes and stuff still um there's more pictures of people just posting their plates like it's not a like a recipe of like here's how you make this pasta salad but it's like a plate and then like listing out the macros in the caption. Um, A lot more pictures of like before and after pictures or people with like very idealized body types, like very lean and muscular with the hashtag eat clean, um, basically insinuating that if you eat in a certain way, you will look like this and that way being clean. Um, There's a lot of like infographics of like these are good foods and these are bad foods. Like these are the good grains. These are the bad grains, healthy sugar swaps. I'm seeing, um, things Mm. like smoothie recipes, just like random lists of quote unquote clean foods. Um, and a lot of detox drinks like judged up lemon water and like green smoothies that are supposed to like have some sort of magical health effects. Um, Mm. so honestly, Like, would you say that the clean eating content looks very different than it did like five to 10 years ago? I think that the camera quality is better. Okay. Um, Yeah. I think the graphic design is maybe a little better. And that's pretty much the only difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's an updated aesthetic, you know, it's to tie it into every single episode we've done. There seems to be a huge prevalence with the that girl trend Mm -hmm. with the clean eating stuff um and this is maybe to this is a tiktok niche thing so if you're not on tiktok this is not going to make sense to you but there is a quote-unquote aesthetic going around that's the clean girl aesthetic which is also being widely criticized on on tiktok because it's very clearly like a thin white very young woman who has it's just, it's like just a subgenre of that girl. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's like, what the heck does clean look like? That's like really, really messed up. Um, so I think those two tend to go hand in hand. But yeah, it doesn't look that much different from the content I remember. Yeah, it looks pretty How much about you? the same. It looks pretty much the same. So um, Laura, I'm very curious. When you were 
more in like the diet mentality um, and when you were pursuing clean eating (laughs) as something that you thought was Mm -hmm. like something you should be doing, what did that look like for you? Because as we'll go into, and you've probably, listener, been able to pick up on this a little bit, that clean eating is a very nebulous sort of term that doesn't have like a super specific definition or like set of guidelines or rules. Um, It it can mean Even a lot the of 10 different rules things. we read from Pinterest. We're very vague. Each other, so, so it can mean a lot of different things and look very different depending on who you ask. So Laura, I'm very curious what like implementing clean eating looked like in your life. Yeah. So let's set the stage. This is probably 2011 ish. This mm-hmm. is like late high school into early college for me would have been that phase. Um, also quickly before we get into this, cause Carolyn and I are going to talk about our own diet slash disordered histories, uh, for a moment. We're very sensitive about not talking about like specific numbers or yeah. things that are overtly triggering, but we will be getting into a little more detail. So if you don't want to talk about food stuff, this is if your you don't to want, Yeah. We will probably be mentioning like specific diets by name. So if you don't want to listen to that, understandable. Yeah. Mindset stuff. So Anyways, with that caveat, so I, this very much ties into our Pinterest episode because I found Pinterest workouts and clean eating around the same time on Pinterest. Um, So this was like late high school and I would cook for myself. Uh, My poor mother would like go grocery shopping and also like cook meals for the family. And I'd insist on like boiling skinless chicken breasts for myself and concocting these like giant salads. I would guess that I was probably trying to eat like close to paleo. We've talked about your, we'll get into your history with paleo. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I knew what that was. I think it was a very like pedestrian view of what healthy food was it was just like a protein veggie focused way of eating even if it didn't have like a particular name yeah exactly um and I think like the less I the less nitty-gritty I dove into the better like I was probably still eating a fairly balanced diet I was probably still eating I think I was still eating like crackers and cheese and like sandwiches and rice cakes and things like that um, because I didn't know enough to go look at the rules and figure out what I was and wasn't supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just eating food that didn't taste very good. (laughs) But then that evolved later in college. I got into um, vegan YouTube really appealed to me. Um, And that was We have to do an episode on that, by the way. On like freely the banana girl. Oh my god! Mm -hmm. I have like I have like names I could name. Like (laughs) I could, yeah. Uh, There's a very short list of people putting up very very dangerous information. Um, It's fine. We've healed past it. Some of them have too, and they're allowed to grow and change. But Mm -hmm. I got into veganism, I guess, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with veganism inherently. I know some people who eat a you know totally plant-based diet and are thriving and have no issues with food whatsoever. So I don't want to necessarily tie those things together because that can be a moral choice for some people, a belief-based choice. And so I don't want to throw that under the bus entirely. But if you have problems with restriction, like I was set up to, that was not helpful for me. And I was eating 
for a while I was eating vegan, just like anything that wasn't vegan was off. And that was it. So I actually mm-hmm. got back into eating like bagels and pasta and like ice cream. Cause as long as it was vegan ice cream, then it was fine. Mm. Um, and that was probably good, but my, you know, my brain kicked back in and then I dabbled in things like raw veganism for like 36 hours. Not it, it doesn't work um, for me. Um, truly, I think it was about that short or like high carb, low fat. That became the new thing where it was like only like rice and beans and oatmeal for every meal. And, and like don't, don't cook with any oil. Die. No oil, never oil, like a little bit of avocado as a treat um, and not not as much fruit like just really really the list of things that counted as okay foods to eat the most minimally harmful foods to eat became smaller and smaller and smaller until it got to a point where I was like what am I doing Mm -hmm. um so that that's kind of my short history with that would you yeah so I just have like a couple of questions so what was your like What was like your motivator for trying to eat in these ways? Was it like a weight control thing? Um, to a certain extent, I don't think I would have told you that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have admitted that to myself, but I think there was a motivator there. Mm-hmm. Definitely like in late high school when I was going through like second puberty and like uncomfortable in my body, I was like, well, I need to like, control this in some way right yeah um and then I think I I tend to have (laughs) I'm really selling myself out here I tend to at that time in my life have feelings of like internalized superiority and being Mm. like I want to eat the best diet because I'm going to be the healthiest and I'm going to do this that and the other thing and like really trying to purify okay in a scary way try it was almost Um, like trying to take on the identity of like the healthy girl and so then you had to like check all those boxes of like what does the healthy girl do and it's like well she definitely doesn't eat junk food and she eats giant salads every single day oh and I should mention during this time I was completely insufferable on Instagram um (laughs) that that cut out a little bit I will say I will vouch for myself and my best friends who lived with me would vouch for me too that I was uh the least annoying vegan of all time they used to say because I wouldn't like say anything about it I just go about my business and I didn't post about it a whole lot but when I was in the clean eating phase before that every meal that I ate that I cooked was going up on Instagram Mm -hmm. and every time I went to the gym there was a selfie and the hashtag was eat clean eat clean naturally yeah yeah so like I was I can't believe I forgot to bring that up like I was deep in that world and it was very much about projecting what that you know I'm I'm working so hard and I'm being so good Mm -hmm. I'm doing massive air quotes right now just so everyone knows um like I couldn't I can't possibly be criticized yeah for this this part of my life right because I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. um and we don't have to get farther into that because we'll go into some like psychoanalysis of me but um (laughs) that was it definitely came from that place of wanting to just be above reproach in all the things I was doing and 
being able to prove that I was working hard and prove that I was dedicated. Because of course, like I was a dancer and then I was also going to theater school where they doubled down on the importance of like taking care of your instrument and yeah you are in making all of these, sacrifices for your art you were in all of these like organizations and environments where like the state of your body was reflective of your like virtue um and mm-hmm. so it, it sounds like it was kind of wrapped up in that like morality of food aspect like like clean foods are good and dirty food is bad and if I eat clean foods then I am good <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, probably the apex of this journey for me, too, was freshman year of college. Sorry to anyone who went to college with me who's listening to this, but you know what I'm about to talk about. Freshman year of college, we had a course with a professor who I would assume was dealing with a lot of his own body and food stuff, who assigned us a 20 page paper to write um, that included it included a lot of things but a chunk of that was writing a meal plan for ourselves based off tracking the calories and sugar content of everything in the dining hall and figuring out what was good to eat and what was bad to what eat. What class was and this? that set it was it was a class that was, we would meet at 8 a.m. and we would like work out kind of all together. And it was supposed to teach us about like our bodies and just general health and wellness. It's been replaced. It's been struck from the program. Was this like um, a general education class? Teaches, or was this no, like in the dance was, program? It was for theater kids. Theater, theater. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was okay. for the actors. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I was like, We had to what? wear all black and show up at eight in the morning. And we would like, sometimes we would do like, squats and like planks and like stretch each other and then sometimes we would do like fake break dancing and roll around on the floor it was a really bizarre experience um maybe that's another podcast for another time I'm oh really my. trying to keep that, it that sounds you know. like a patreon exclusive we can talk about the <laughs> the weirdness of yes. the different programs that we were in okay I'll I'll call on like two of my classmates and we can do like a deep dive Okay, Carolyn, now that I've completely shown my ass on this one, tell us about how how you misinterpreted clean eating as a teenager. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. So as you were talking, I was like really trying to like organize my thoughts around this because honestly, like clean eating was a huge, 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 huge part of my life and my identity and like a, a guiding value um, for a long time time like for quite a few years I didn't even really realize it at the time necessarily because it seemed just so normal um because of the types of people I hung out with and the types of environments I was in but for me it all started freshman year of college when I um like when I went to school when I first signed up on Instagram and when I decided to switch my major from biology to nutrition. And um, mm. and so I had always been kind of health conscious, like growing up as someone with like allergies and food, like, like lactose intolerance, I had to like learn how to like read ingredients lists and, and just had kind of some of those experiences with food um, as like a child and a teenager that made me a little bit more aware of like the food system in America and like what different like ingredients were and things like that. So I already had like an interest in nutrition just based on that. Um, And so uh, 
that was sort of what pushed me into studying it. Um, and a big thing that you learn, especially your first year in an undergraduate nutrition program is like the horrors of the standard American diet, um, often called SAD, which I think is a funny (laughs) acronym um, and kind of fitting. Um, And, you know, a lot of this is uh, like there, there is merit to a lot of this conversation. The fact that like there are a lot of problems with the food system in America and the way that certain types of food production have been industrialized and lowered the quality of those foods and the way that like food inequity um, is very prevalent in um, in this country and like your access to nutritious food is highly dependent on where you live and how much money you make um, and those things are influenced a lot by um, like what race you are and your socioeconomic class like there there's a lot that goes into it that you know is relevant um, and as a you know young student I was really impacted by learning about a lot of these things and felt very passionately about fixing the food system and helping people to not have to eat the standard American diet and like increasing access to nutritious foods to all people in this country. And that's still something that I care about, obviously. But I, you know, maybe due to immaturity or just lack of knowledge, I definitely took on that cause in a very like black or white kind of way. Um, And since I was still in school, wasn't working in like policy or anything, I was like, okay, I can start with myself. Um, And so learning about the standard American Mm. diet and all of the like awful things it does to your body when you like eat junk food and drink soda and blah, 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 blah. um, I kind of like took that to its logical conclusion and was like, okay, so I need to learn how to eat correctly so that in my career Mm. I can make the world a better place by teaching other people how to eat correctly. Um, like I can be an example. I can be yes, like I can upon a hill for everyone else. I can experiment on myself now so that I can help people in the future um, was sort of the mm-hmm. mindset that I had. And, um, and so in that, I ended up hearing the term clean eating, really loving how that sounded and kind of adopted it as sort of my like philosophical antidote to the standard American diet. So that's kind of where it started for me that I was like, yes, clean eating. Like this is, this is like a, a great like term, a great phrase, a great philosophy that will like change the world and fix all of America's health issues. <laughs> and very idealistic of me. Um, I mean, Carolyn, you're laughing at like your 18 year old self, but there are people with millions and millions of followers on Instagram and very profitable book deals whose praxis hasn't gotten very far past. That. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So I definitely like learned a lot from um, a lot of those authors, probably the same people that you're thinking of, like Michael Pollan, especially who, you know, is the like eat real food, mostly plants, not too much or whatever, whatever is turn of phrases. That Nailed was so, <laughs> oh my gosh, like that and the Hippocrates, like let food be thy medicine were like, like 
my shining stars, my mm. guiding lights for a long time. Um, and it, like not not horrible things to say, but just very incomplete thoughts. Like you need more n- nuance there than that. Um, anyway, so then like throughout my college career, this like love for the idea of clean eating as the answer to the standard American diet and the problems that it causes in like – the health of American populations um, combined with a couple of other things in my personal life to like lead to what I would probably diagnose now as orthorexia, um, even though that's not like an official diagnosis, but it, it like my rules around what type of food was okay and what type was not were very specific and very strict. And I invested a lot of my resources into trying to follow these rules as best as I could. I also like never actually did. Like I was also constantly breaking them, um, which was probably for my actual physical health uh, for the best because I never fully eliminated any food groups, but I always had the intention of doing so. <laughs> um, so basically- Your body was protecting you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, um, and I think that also primed me well to easily adopt intuitive eating once I decided that's what I wanted to do because I ended up not having to really change my behaviors that much just my mindset um but anyway Mm. um so the other things that were going on when I was in college um I was also getting very into lifting weights and fitness I I already kind of was because of my martial arts history we did a lot of weight training together at the dojo and I kind of brought that with me to college and like learned more about how to lift weights like in the weight room decided to get my personal trainer certification um, when I was a sophomore and then when I was a junior started actually working at the gym on campus Um, and so I was surrounded by a lot of like fitness bros of all genders. <laughs> Fitness bro, I think at this point is sort of a gender bro neutral is gender term. inclusive. It, it's a mindset yeah. that more than um more than a gender identity. Um <laughs> mental toughness, Carolyn. Come on. I know exactly. And so like that's when I first um like met people who were bodybuilders or figure competitors. Um, and I followed a lot of bodybuilders and figure competitors and bikini competitors on Instagram. And so saw a lot of people doing their meal prep with their meal plans. And there were kind of two schools of thought at the time that dominated the nutritional approach for the bodybuilding community. The first was clean eating, that it was like, your actual health, you know, quote unquote, is just as important as meeting, sorry, as meeting your like performance goals on stage and like your physique goals. So like, yes, meet your macros, but do it with like clean, whole, real food, all of those things in quotation marks. Um, And then the other school of thought was if it fits your macros, meaning that like you could eat a diet entirely of Reese's puffs and gummy bears and protein powder as long as it hit your macros and like no regard for fiber or micronutrients or anything like that. So it was like two completely opposite sides. It was like basically eating only junk food and just hitting your macros so that you make your physique goals. And then the more like health conscious approach to bodybuilding that was like, yes, meet your macros exactly and get your physique goals, but also impose these other rules on yourself where you're only allowed to eat quote unquote clean. Um, So you can't be having junk food and all of that. 
But all of your like performance enhancing supplements, your creatine, your protein powder, like that doesn't count. That doesn't count as processed food, but definitely don't eat like a slice of American cheese. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) just enough pre-workout to kill a horse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I definitely was um, on the side of like the clean eating bodybuilders. And even though I never had the intentions of entering a bodybuilding competition myself, I saw the bodybuilding world as like central to the fitness world in general. And so I thought that if I Mm. was going to be a personal trainer, even if I never stepped on stage, I still needed to emulate a lot of the same mindsets and behaviors of bodybuilders, um, which was kind of an interesting, strange mindset to have looking back. But that's just where I was. Because of the popularity of that community on the internet kind of during those years they had a lot of imbued authority in the fitness space where it was like this is the ultimate this is the apex of fitness performance these are the people who understand these mechanisms the best who you should be learning from they were the ones Um, putting out the first like booty building guides in like 2013 yeah um so yeah they they in a lot of ways really did dominate um the online fitness space at the time um and so that's where I got a lot of my inspiration and like cueing for like what does it mean to be a fitness professional and a lot of that meant like how do you eat as one um and so like clean eating was like reinforced by that community and like I I Mm. saw camaraderie there of like you can meet your physique goals and get stronger and like and follow all of these rules about like not eating like toxins and processed foods and all of these things that I was demonizing because of what I was learning about the standard American diet. And then I was just taking it like way further. <laughs> like I was extrapolating it way farther than I was actually <laughs> learning in the classroom. And so then the other thing that came in and just made all of this even more intense is that due to the stress of school and just generally like being a 19 year old trying to like figure out life. Um, I was experiencing a lot of like skin issues and digestive issues. And so in trying to find solutions to that, to like my acne and my eczema and my like really intense and painful, like bloating and stuff. Um, like I was, I was pretty miserable sometimes. Like I was not doing well at certain points. Um, but of course, instead of actually going to like the doctor, I just Googled like what to eat to help with bloating. Um, yeah. like what food I'm sure the first thing you found was cut out dairy, sugar, and then grains. Exactly. And that's how I kind of found Ugh. the paleo diet. Um, I started listening to podcasts and reading books and it took this, this idea of clean eating and like the basic, like the basic rules of clean eating, um, that, generally everyone agrees on which is like not a lot of sugar not a lot of processed foods um do eat plenty of vegetables and like lean protein um you know whether that's vegan or not depending on who you ask but like paleo took it that step further and put all of this like kind of questionable research behind it, but that made it seem really like evidence-based and scientific. And people were saying, making these really big claims with a lot of authority that like 
eating grains causes leaky gut, which causes like every health issue on earth. And so I thought that I couldn't eat gluten for like a long time, not because I had celiac disease, but I thought that if I ate bread, it was giving me eczema. It wasn't. I was just stressed. And I was in New England where my skin got really dry when it was cold out. <laughs> like these are things that I have since learned, but oh, I held on to a lot of those beliefs until pretty recently, like 2017, 2018, like even when I was adopting more of an intuitive eating perspective and was like fully on board with like body acceptance and fat liberation, I still thought I like I held on to these rules that I thought were specific to my health that like even though I wasn't calling it clean eating, they were rules that I took on when I was doing quote unquote clean eating. And um, it's taken a long time to sort of unravel all of that and, um, and realize like, oh, like I just took that person at their word and never really fully figured out if that is something that my body needs or not. Um, So uh, yeah, so I was like really big into paleo, like no dairy, no grains. And of course, like I said, I never fully followed these rules because it was way too hard and way too expensive and way too time consuming. But I really, really wanted to. And I listened to all the podcasts and I read all the books and followed all of the personalities. Um, and and then you beat yourself up because if you haven't adhered to it perfectly, when the issue doesn't resolve itself, it's your fault. Yes, for not doing paleo hard enough. Exactly. And, um, and yeah. And so when I, when I think of the term clean eating for me, it really conjures up that phrase, eat clean, train dirty. I feel like that was very Mm -hmm. much the, the, the phrase that guided a lot of my choices that it was about like working your ass off in the gym and lifting really heavy weights, like ass to grass, do your hip thrusts. Like a lot of this came from bodybuilding and like early CrossFit culture. And I was, even though I didn't participate in either of those things myself, I consumed the online content and followed the influencers in those spaces. And, um, so I felt like, yeah, similar to you, it was sort of like, um, like a moral superiority thing that like, I have the best type of body. I eat the best type of way. I train the best type of way. So I am good and like better than other people because of that. And now as a fitness professional myself, it's my job to like help other people do these good, amazing things that I am and also be good people that are better than like the lazy ones or the unhealthy ones who are whatever. Help them see the light, help them buy the books and follow the diet. It's like all very culty. Yeah. And there was kind of like a savior mentality to it that like, oh, people just don't know. Like people just need to be educated. Um, And yeah, um, it it was, it was definitely intense. (laughs) Yeah. I also want to say too that like, just because we can, and Correct me if I'm wrong, Caroline, I don't want to speak for both of us, but just because we can identify and criticize these thought patterns doesn't mean that like, I still find myself susceptible to that stuff. Sometimes I will see an old thought pop up and I'll have to be like, wait, where did I learn that? Where did that come from? What's the truth behind that? Do I Mm -hmm. know that to be a fact like in my experience or does that make sense? 
with like really little things. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, what? Like that sounds so I, there's a aiming to eat more healthy foods is not an objectively bad thing. You know, you're hearing us be hypercritical of our past selves in this way. We are still growing out of those past selves. Um, And there's also like, we're in the critical part of this episode. So we're not leaving leaving much room for nuance at the moment. But like, I have so much empathy for past Laura and Carolyn who were trying to do the best they could with what they had. So if you're, you know, like if, if you're, halfway through that journey or just setting out on that journey or you're like you hear us laughing about this and you're like wait what's wrong with that um and that's what I was going to get into next um okay great yeah because (laughs) like like you said we we hold so much empathy for these past versions of ourselves and for anyone who is currently kind of in a similar like mental place and the reason that we have all that empathy uh well I mean there's Lots, obviously. But for me, one of the things that <laughs> the always... The reason we're perfect now. Is that- <laughs> um, the thing that comes to mind yeah. is that like, it wasn't our fault. We were victims of a very, very effective marketing term. Because when I think of the term clean eating, that is what I think of it as now. It is not a diet. It is not a specific set of guidelines. As we've already said... It is really vague and general and looks completely different depending on who you ask. Like a vegan clean eater would say that all dairy, eggs, butter, meat, all of that is toxic, unclean, dirty, bad. But if you ask a paleo clean eater, um, all of those things are totally fine and really, really healthy and good for you. But rice and potatoes, um, except for sweet potatoes, but white potatoes are toxic and bad and dirty and unclean. So like clean eating is not one cohesive like food ideology. It is a marketing term. And what it hits on are some really significant pain points for a lot of people who experience health issues, who have experienced body image issues or discrimination based on their weight and body size, who um, have like... We're dealing with chronic conditions that doctors don't have answers for. And so doctors who have very limited nutrition knowledge go, oh, just eat better. And then you Google, how do I eat better? And you get eat clean. And then if you ask a second question, it starts to fall apart. But you're in this like house of mirrors echo chamber of just eat clean just eat clean just eat better eat clean just eat clean just eat better but like I'm gonna say that means this and that person's gonna say that it means that and we're both going to completely demonize certain food groups certain ingredients uh certain like chemical compounds and you have no way to know what is actually good information and what is propaganda to sell a product, um, what is based on really sound research and what is not. There, There's just enough crossover between every definition that it sounds like a cohesive guideline, but there's mm. no, it's not a prescription. It's not, Yes. there's no cohesive set of rules no matter what Pinterest would have you think. 
Yeah. And so I think what we should talk about next is those um, those kind of bullet points that do seem to be on every list. So I think that would be process like avoid processed food avoid GMOs and eat organic because those seem Mm -hmm. to be three of the most common like rules or guidelines that like whether you're a vegan clean eater or a paleo clean eater or a bodybuilder clean eater those tend to be the most consistent points if you dig a little deeper we can go into one of those terms will pop up yeah the validity behind those our opinions on whether or not those are useful guidelines to follow and um because I, I think that could maybe clear up some confusion for people or give people permission to have a little bit more flexibility with their food choices. Because in the end, my food philosophy is like your diet should in like diet, meaning just the collection of things that you eat overall should include as many things as possible and restrict as few things as possible. Mm -hmm. And so like the more flexibility that you can have, the better. (laughs) Um, And so any rule that tells you to eliminate something entirely, I think should be questioned. So um, as we go into this section, I do just want to give the disclaimer that we are not doctors, we are not dietitians. Um, So this is not meant to be health advice or like we're not telling you what to do. This is just our perspectives and just something to chew on some food for thought uh absolutely and there are lots you feel of better. <laughs> there are lots of highly highly qualified people giving out nutrition information on the internet we're happy to direct you to some of our favorite sources they are still not able to give you advice over the internet or over a podcast yes. and then also carolyn and i both have some education in nutrition, Carolyn more than myself, but like I'm a certified nutrition coach. I'm still not qualified to be giving anyone more than really, really basic general nutrition info. So please, please be careful about where you get your information from. Be wary of the difference between a health coach and a nutritionist and a registered dietitian and take Mm -hmm. everything with a grain of salt because no one who's not sitting down with you, listening to you tell them about your life knows anything about your life. Yes, exactly. Okay. With that being said, yeah, let's let's go into kind of our takes on these components of clean eating that seem to be pretty consistent. So yes. Laura, do you want to start with organic and non-GMO? Yeah. Well, I was thinking actually the best place for us to start would be talking about what processed versus non-processed foods means. Oh, um, because yeah. I do think that's kind of the bread and butter for lack of uh no pun intended for (laughs) clean eating um you know the if you press someone on what does clean eating actually mean they go oh well it means eating whole foods it means eating less processed foods and yeah Mm -hmm. pretty much we can all agree that like eating an apple tends to have more nutritious benefits than drinking a glass of apple juice because you're getting like fiber and the micronutrients in the skin, for example, things like that. But the Mm -hmm. nuance that we're leaving out of the, oh, well, just eat non-processed or I avoid processed foods is that pretty much all food is processed in some way. Processed versus unprocessed food is not a raw leaf of spinach versus a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. Most of our food has been processed And most of our food is edible and like nutritionally accessible for us because it has been processed. 
in many cases, like that's why we're able to have vegetables because they've been flash frozen or they've been, you know, produce has been preserved in some way. And when we scare Mm -hmm. people away from eating things like canned food or frozen food that may be more financially accessible for them or things like pre-cut fruits that might be more physically accessible for someone depending on like their disabilities or their neurodivergencies like those things are not meant to be demonized and like the term processed food is practically meaningless at this point it really is yeah because I think most of the time when people say processed food what they're getting at is like this cultural understanding of junk food of like snack food that comes in packages that is like really uh salty or really sweet and um like isn't necessarily meant to be a health food or a nutritious food and is meant to just be like an enjoyable flavor experience. Yeah, we'll often um, hear things those like to flaming hot Cheetos. Hyper palatable foods. Hyper palatable foods, exactly, that tend to have like a specific ratio of salt to fat to sugar that make them especially enjoyable to consume. And these foods are very, very demonized. And I think that that is based in something valid, but it is often taken too far. Um, So there is a lot of research to show that a diet that is extremely high in sugar can have negative health benefits or negative health effects. However, that doesn't mean that sugar itself is inherently bad and needs to be avoided at all costs. Same thing with high salt foods. Same thing um, with like foods that are high in saturated fat. These are things that are like dose dependent. And the same thing goes for artificial flavors and colors. A lot of people have a lot of fear around the consumption of any artificial ingredient. But just because it's artificial doesn't mean that it's inherently poisonous or toxic or dangerous and anything that is being like you can have your critiques of the U.S. food system and the FDA and whatever but it is true that any ingredient that has been approved to be put in our foods is not toxic it's not going to kill you when you are eating it at a reasonable dose like you would have to consume an absolutely ridiculous amount of any of these ingredients in order to experience any like acute health uh, effects, like negative health effects. And so um, like the complete across the board demonization of any and all quote unquote junk food, I think is overblown. There is always a way to incorporate potato chips, flaming hot Cheetos, ice cream into an overall healthy diet. If it if you are consuming it alongside the foods that do contain all of the nutrients that you need as well. Um, That is my kind of take on processed and junk food. Yeah. To go back to the um, apple metaphor, like the fear mongering around toxins. It's like, do you remember in middle school when Mm -hmm. people figured out the apple seeds had cyanide in them when you learned that in like chemistry class? Yes. It would be like (laughs) if we fear mongered about apples because they contain poison, but you would have to eat yeah. How many apple seeds to have a dangerous dose of cyanide? Like it's not happening. And ultimately, like we live in a world where we are surrounded by advertisements and billboards and major accessibility of these hyperpalatable foods. So if that is 
something that you enjoy, resisting those things or restricting those things is not going to, you are starting on a path to restriction if you start cutting out things that you genuinely enjoy. Satisfaction is an important part of a Mm -hmm. diet. That doesn't mean you should be only eating hyper palatable foods because Carolyn and Laura said so, right? But if you want to go live (laughs) in the woods somewhere and grow everything yourself and, you know, be in a happy little non-pesticide bubble, then by all means. But I would argue that that's not a healthy choice either because social interaction is extremely important for us. Yeah. So if you value being part of the modern exactly. world, you're going to be confronted by this marketing, by these hyperpalatable foods, by food used as a reward and a celebratory experience and, you know, ties to family and tradition and comfort and all of that. Um yeah, I had a point and then I started ranting. Yeah, that always I think the other concept or the <laughs> other the other thing that I wanted to say about like processed food and junk food is that both of those terms are used as umbrella terms to describe a lot of different things. You know, you could be using junk food to describe something that is high in sodium, high in sugar, contains artificial ingredients, contains preservatives and when they're all put under this one blanket term, it makes it really confusing as to why anyone should maybe be avoiding any of these because it's eliminating the reasoning behind why these ingredients can potentially be problematic for certain people. Because I, I it would be um, ill-advised to say that like, all of these foods are completely okay and safe to eat for every single person because that's not true either. There are certain health conditions that people have that make it so that they need to be very careful of the amount of certain ingredients that they consume, you know, the amount of salt, the amount of sugar, um, or the context that they're eating those ingredients in. And for those people, certain processed foods might be less um, like might not be the best choices compared to others, but that doesn't mean that all food that could be considered processed or junk food is the same because they do have different ingredients lists, nutrient profiles contain different components that do affect the body differently. So if you know that you have a health condition that makes you sensitive to certain ingredients, it's good to know that so that you can make the proper choices. But just because you have maybe an allergy to red dye 40 and you personally need to avoid foods that contain that particular dye, that doesn't mean that you need to avoid every other food that could potentially be considered processed or junk food. Um, and that, that was the path that I went down, you know, as soon as I learned that I need to like avoid lactose containing dairy in order to mitigate my digestive distress, that led me down a rabbit hole of like, oh, I need to avoid all of these other things. Why? Just because arbitrary reasons, because this diet that I'm now saying that I want to follow puts all of them on the no-no list. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just important when you're thinking about processed food or junk food, what is the process or the ingredient that for you may pose a problem? And is there a way that you can specifically just avoid that thing or eat that thing in certain contexts and let everything else be a lot more free? Um, 
just because when you start lumping all these rules together under this umbrella of I need to do all of it at the same time, that's when it gets really, really hyper restrictive and no longer individual to your needs and just following the rules because somebody said so. And I would like to also, yeah, it makes total sense. I just want to point out too that identifying those hyper-specific needs probably involves working closely with a qualified professional that you trust and a combination of being able to listen to feedback from your body, both of which processes will be disrupted if we are just following internet-prescribed elimination diets or taking Mm -hmm. guesses because this is what an influencer told you was what worked to heal their gut health. yeah. yeah. So let's very quickly pass through two more things that people love to bring up when it comes to clean eating, um, which again, neither of us are probably qualified to speak on, but we can pass along a little bit of knowledge. Um, talking about the craze, I guess, is that a fair or the fear mongering around eating organic food or eating non GMO food? First of all, organic, and this was pretty new to me in the last couple of years learning about this. Organic does not mean pesticide free. The poison makes the dose. <laughs> we have access to fresh produce because we use pesticides. Wash your fruit when you get it home, right? And then the fear mongering around GMO foods, which again, like bananas are a GMO. Watermelon is GMO. I'm pretty sure like the potatoes we eat now are GMO. Like that doesn't mean that they've injected science under the skin of the vegetable. It means that <laughs> like over the course of decades or a hundred years of agricultural technology, we've like, you remember doing Punnett squares in middle school? We've bred the stronger plants together so that we have crops that withstand, you know, harsh winters. We don't have as many famines anymore. Um, so that's not saying yeah, that, like, I mean, there's to be no fair, sometimes sometimes GMO does actually mean gene splicing that they've like scientists have taken a gene from one organism and spliced it into the genome of another so that that new organism now expresses a different trait, whether that's like f- phosphorescence or um, <laughs> uh, like in natural insecticides or whatever it is but it this is again to say that like GMO is another blanket term that encompasses a lot of different things and just because something has been genetically modified whether that is through gene splicing or just through um, selective breeding that doesn't mean it is inherently toxic or bad for you and so I, I when it comes to GMOs and I don't know exactly where I stand on it entirely um, because I haven't researched every single food that may contain GMOs, but I think in general they are safe and they are good and they have (laughs) made it possible to feed a lot more people. Um, And as technology advances, perhaps there could be a genetically modifying process for an individual crop or organism that does end up having a negative impact on human health when consumed but it has to be taken at a case by case basis. It doesn't mean that just because that could happen that all foods that are engineered with this type of process are inherently 
poisonous. Totally. Um, and like avoiding we don't want to start guzzling pesticides and we probably don't want cyborg foods. But I think in this case, we see a lot of like organic or non-GMO labels smacked on things like granola bars or protein powders as selling points to healthify them sort of greenwash yes. it's another marketing term that's supposed to get you to buy the more expensive product yeah. and they can charge more because it has that label like I've I've heard of I mean maybe this is a rumor but I've heard of non-gmo labeled salt salt is a mineral it's not even from a plant or an animal it can it doesn't have a genome it's a mineral <laughs> and oh so it, it, like it's just important to not take these blanket terms just at face value and make sure that the situation you're trying to apply it to even makes sense, has any validity at all. And then if it's something that worries you, do some Googling, do some research into that particular situation and not just the term in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think um, because that they I are think so broad. Salt is actually another really good example because there was that whole trend several years ago which I think still exists of only eating pink Himalayan sea salt because it has more like vitamins or minerals or something in it for you but the amount of salt you would need to consume to intake a meaningful amount of those special minerals is Mm -hmm. an absolutely absurd amount of salt like it's yeah and quote unquote unhealthy amount of salt to be getting that quote unquote health boost of the extra minerals that are making your fancy pink salt cost twice as much as regular table salt. So all that to say, take all the information, all the one-off articles you see around like, is your salt actually the unhealthy salt? Take that all with a grain of salt because you are not a an empty petri dish you are a human being with not only a gut microbiome but also like a life and needs and responsibilities and yeah like it also reminds me of like the just useless debates over like brown rice versus white rice when the difference between the two of them is like less than half a gram of fiber per serving and or like rolled oats versus steel cut oats it literally does not matter like when you start to get that specific and granular about everything you eat trying to make sure that like every single food you eat is the absolute best and healthiest version that you could possibly get of that type of food you're going to drive yourself crazy you're going to drain your bank account and you're not going to have time to do anything else except choose which food items you want to buy at the grocery store for marginal at best health differences. Like it, 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 the differences that it can make is pretty much non-existent. And also in those two examples, just for instance, rolled oats take two minutes to cook and steel cut oats take like 30 minutes. So like if you are a busy parent or you're working like a 12 hour day, you're a shift worker, like There's a big difference there and the difference is not in the amount of fiber or like white rice and brown rice. Like white rice has so much cultural meaning behind it for so many people of so many different cultures to be able to prepare like traditional foods in the way that takes you back to your childhood or that you can share with your family without having to make a big stink about a substitution. Like that is an important aspect of 
health too, that like a lot of this, you know, nutrition debunking information doesn't take into account. So that is a really good segue into some of the more like cultural level critiques, I guess, that we have of the concept of clean eating. Um, The first of which is that it's a really whitewashed way of conceptualizing what it means to eat in a health promoting way. And um, like the biggest example of where you can see this in clean eating is that it totally demonizes most cultural foods. And so white rice is the example that we just talked about, but other things like traditionally made flour tortillas, um, and basically any food that is cooked in a traditional style that isn't like the independent components being cooked apart from each other. And like, yeah, like a piece of grilled chicken with some steamed broccoli and roasted sweet potatoes. Like that is considered healthy and clean, but a curry that contains chicken and veggies that's eaten with some traditional flatbread would not be considered clean eating. That would be considered unhealthy. And um, and so it's just a very like white centric um, and whitewashed way of looking at what, what healthy food is um, that erases a lot of cultural importance for a lot of communities. And I'm not going to go too far into it, but I do want to be very clear that this isn't like accidental and it is a product of the just general demonization of and like xenophobia towards immigrant groups in like the 18th and early 19th centuries. Um, And even to today, like you see examples of it in like uh, the fear around eating at Chinese restaurants because of like food poisoning or MSG or coronavirus, um, if we're talking early 2020, um, like a, a lot of times the, the fear around cultural foods that gets wrapped up into these definitions of what is clean eating and what is not is based in racist assumptions about the cultures that these foods come from, that they are greedy or gluttonous or sinful and that eating the foods from those cultures then also has those evil bad things attached to it watch me do the most brilliant uh circle back of all time carolyn to tie this into the very beginning of the episode from two boston girls talking about a lasting reverence for the origins of this country the ideas behind clean eating are so puritanical in a way that has lasted for centuries back to like the invention of like Kellogg's special K or whatever that was supposed to keep kids from masturbating right because like the cornflakes were gonna like kids (laughs) wait sorry what Like that we're supposed to like dampen the sex drive because like if you yeah eat really- the the idea maybe we'll have to do a profile on Mr Kellogg himself I find him a fascinating character <laughs> but yeah he invented cornflakes because his belief was that if you ate too many excitatory foods so like foods that tasted good essentially that had spices or flavor at all that like if you excited your senses through eating then you would want to also experience sexual pleasure and that is sinful and um and I feel like we can draw a pretty clear line here and also make a lot of jokes about white people not seasoning their food but 
I, you know, I think that the, when we talk about moralizing foods, when we talk about healthism and this internalized superiority of, oh, I'm going to, you know, eat clean and train dirty and then somehow I'll achieve absolution. Like that comes from Mm -hmm. puritanical ideas that our country isn't over yet. Yeah, yeah. There, even even if it's not like a direct cause and effect relationship of like this belief directly led to this belief, which directly led to this belief, um, it it is all rooted. It's like shifting and changing beliefs around food that have to do with other cultural trends and scientific research. But you can trace certain aspects of these beliefs and values around what makes healthy and good food back to these like really um, like strict like religious beliefs around morality and to white supremacy. And again, it's not necessarily like a direct cause and effect relationship, but you can find the threads that connect all of these things. And I think it's important that when you do, you start to question those things. (laughs) How accurate is this in my life? Is this something that, is this a value or a belief that I need to hold? Is it actually helpful to me? Or is it kind of a weird like vestigial trait of a more... Um, of something that was more significant to culture in the past that we claim to not believe in now, but still hold in this way when we think about food. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that it's, I don't, I should have come armed with science, but I do know that they're starting to find that people who really adhere to these quote unquote clean eating diets are deficient in a lot of nutrients because it is hard to get everything you need when you start whittling away the foods that you're willing to eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that is very, very true that there are actual potential negative health effects to really strictly following a quote unquote clean eating diet because of its restrictive nature. Um, yeah. So I guess the last thing that I want to touch on, because it does relate to this a little bit and, uh, is all over TikTok and probably Instagram reels as well. I've been seeing a big trend in viral videos that are basically just like a person in a grocery store being like, Oh my God, look at how toxic all of these products are. Like if you read the ingredient labels on all of these seltzer waters, you'll find that blah, 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 blah. Like they're so unhealthy and bad and poisonous and toxic. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just a lot of fear mongering around really common foods. Like even like peanut butter, like granola bars annoys me the most. Yeah. Or like, did you know that your almond milk doesn't even contain any actual almonds? And it's like, I'm not drinking almond milk to get the nutritional content of a handful of almonds. (laughs) I'm drinking it as a dairy substitute. Like, what? Like, what is this line of thinking? And it's just because fear-mongering gets clicks, it gets views, which gets you ad revenue and sponsorships on online content. And so if you get any of these videos on your For You page where it's just some person like ranting emphatically about how toxic and dangerous and scary really normal common grocery store items are don't watch the rest of the video block that account like it is literally just fear-mongering and I have never seen a single one of those videos that has any 
useful information in it for just the average person. No, it w- to go back to the uh, apple example again, if they're holding up like applesauce from the store and they're like, this applesauce has added sugar in it. So don't you dare eat this because it's poisonous. You better go to the farmer's market and get your organic pesticide free apples and then make the applesauce yourself. Let's just take a look at like people who don't have the extra time and the funds to do that. People who maybe are getting their groceries from a gas station or a Walmart or like another convenience type store because they don't have a grocery store within a convenient driving distance from their house or people who have to order groceries online. Like this the idea that you could only eat fresh produce all year long in only the perfect condition that you wanted it and cook three meals a day, that is not the reality, like not even close to the reality for the vast majority of Americans. Yeah. So who and is the advice not for? Even, <laughs> not even just that this advice like relies on the person taking this advice to have an immense amount of like economic privilege. Like you were saying that it's like expensive and time consuming to eat this way. Even for someone who does have those resources, it's not necessarily a healthier way to eat. Like we're not saying that like the world would be a better place if everyone had the access and the resources and the time and the money in order to eat in this very, very particular way. We're saying that that way of eating isn't necessarily healthier, even if you have all those things. And then if you don't have the access or the resources to be able to do that, then the guilt and the shame associated with the the messaging that you have to do this makes it even worse. Totally. And it's (laughs) very hard to get enough energy to go about your day and like all of the nutrients that you need out of like only fruits and vegetables, which is kind of the natural conclusion of like clean eating. But like for people who don't have that kind of access, like this kind of fear mongering and this kind of shame based pseudo education rather than like actual education around nutrition, which like this country, as I'm shaking my fist at this guy, desperately needs, keeps people from making marginally healthier decisions that could lead to better health outcomes because of all this fear mongering. Like you're not going to get someone from subsisting off a diet of completely flaming hot Cheetos to then eat like Gwyneth Paltrow's diet. It's not going to happen. And there is also the truth that Gwyneth Paltrow's diet is not the healthiest way to eat. So yeah, exactly. Like if the idea of feeling like you have to only buy organic fruits and vegetables is preventing you from buying any fruits and vegetables, that is bad. <laughs> like that is poor messaging. And um, and so I think our sorry, we've reached the point of the what? episode where I'm out of breath and we're just screaming, "That's bad!" into the mic. That's bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> Carolina is so bad. Oh. Yeah, I mean, basically, because in the end, what we, at least what I want, you know, speaking for myself, is that I, I spent a significant portion of my adolescent years and like my early 20s finding food to be a very complicated and stressful and time consuming part of life. And it really didn't have to be that confusing and complicated. And the reason that it is, is because 
like the like food as an industry and especially the way that it intersects with health and nutrition and the fitness industries complicates it on purpose because you have all these different people and entities and companies and organizations competing for the attention of the consumer and trying to convince them that our rules, our product, our way is the best way, so spend your money here. And when you have so many different groups doing that where you're getting all this competing and conflicting information from all sides, it makes it really confusing. And so the message that I always want to leave people with is that eating is better than not eating. Listen to your body. And if it feels too complicated to the point where it's stressful, it's no longer good for you and you're better off just doing something else. <laughs> and so the more flexibility that you can give yourself, um, the better. And if there are certain nutritional rules or guidelines or clean eating things that you like to follow because it makes you feel good and it doesn't add a bunch of added stress into your life, amazing. Keep doing those things. I'm not trying to tell you what, what to do or what not to do when it comes to specific eating behaviors. But if you're being inundated with information that feels overwhelming and confusing, you're allowed to disregard it and just eat the way that fits into your life best. The human body is resilient and really good at getting what it needs from what it's given. And, um, and so just, just eat. Eat the food that you can eat. Feeding yourself as an adult is already time consuming and stressful and expensive. So like, don't make it harder than it has to be. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's all I have to say on it. Is there any other closing thoughts that you have, Laura? Um, I have a small personal antidote that might be interesting here. Again, not advice, but I thought for a long time that I was extremely lactose intolerant. Um, and it turns out I just wasn't eating enough food. And once I, my body was getting food more reliably and had enough energy to power my digestive system, because when you don't give your body enough energy, it starts to shut down non-essential operations like your reproductive system and like your digestive system, digestive system and like your emotional regulation. So once I started eating more food, my body had an easier time digesting dairy and it turns out I wasn't lactose intolerant after all. And now I've gone a little further on the pendulum swing and I realize that eating a ton of dairy doesn't make me feel great. So I don't eat it all the time, but I experience much less stress because I've taken out that aspect of rigidity in my life. So just a little yeah, that is such a example good point. from the field. And like kind of a... <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a, a topic that we should expand on in a different day, but I think this is a very important reminder that like under eating and disordered eating cause digestive issues. And so if you're trying to follow a bunch of guidelines that end up meaning you don't eat enough or you don't eat consistently or you've cut out so many things that it is disordered eating, um, that could actually be the cause of the problems that you're trying to fix with the food rules. Yeah. So, um, so like eating yeah. it not always, like there's lots of things that cause digestive issues, but under eating is one of them. And it's something like 70% or more of people with eating disorders also have digestive issues. Um, mm. So interesting statistics. <laughs> Oof. Um, so on a final note, eating is super, super personal, healthy, is different for everyone 
clean eating is a mostly meaningless term used to sell stuff to you. Um, and go with your gut. Any other platitudes yeah. you'd like to add? <laughs> You're allowed to enjoy food, I think would be the other one. Hell that yeah. food is allowed to taste good and it's allowed to be the real traditional versions. It doesn't have to be healthified or made more bland in order to be good for you. Yeah. If you really want to eat clean, wash yeah. your produce when you get it home because it's probably been in a truck and touched <laughs> by a bunch of different hands. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. All right. I think that's pretty good. Um, that was a beautiful conclusion you laid out there. I really liked it. Wow. Thank um, you so much. So I guess the last thing we want to leave you with is check out the Patreon. We are preparing more exclusive content yes. to go up there, and we're going to start posting exclusive content at a more regular basis. Um, and, oh, my gosh, we forgot to say it in the beginning, but our thank you to our $10 patrons, Julia, my mother, and Emma. Um, if you want your name said on the show, you can sign up to pay us $10 a month. <laughs> it's like rent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at FitLiteratePod. Um, if you want to send us an email, because we love hearing from you, you can um, do that at Carolyn V and Laura G at gmail.com. It's in the bio. Um, and it's in the Instagram Yeah, it's bio. in the bio uh, of the Instagram page. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.